And we'll continue from there. Starting at the first verse. Which reads. Therefore. We must pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. I want to stop there for a minute because the therefore connects it to chapter one, right? And it, in chapter one, it talks about, it talks about Jesus and him being superior to the angels. Him being the son of God, him being the, the author of our salvation, but he's superior to the angels. It emphasizes that in chapter one. It talks about the Old Testament giving way to the New Testament, the new covenant in which we are living. And it says, therefore, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard, lest we drift away from it. You know, when someone says, pay attention, that means that which is about to follow is very important. If your teacher says, now pay very close to attention, uh, close attention to what I'm about to say, you can guarantee that's going to end up on the exam. That's a tip for some of you young students in here. If your boss says, pay attention, men, if your wife says, pay attention. <laughs> Ladies, if your husband says, pay attention. All right. You might ought to pay attention because they're bearing their heart. And what's about to be shared is something that is critically important. You don't want to miss it. You need to take it to heart. Now, paying attention to something doesn't just mean hearing it. I said paying attention to something doesn't just mean hearing it. When it's saying pay attention to what we've just heard, there's a lot into that. There's a lot that goes into that. Pay attention. I want you to hear it. I want you to take notes on it. I want you to study it. I want you to think on it, meditate on it. I want you to ask questions about it. I, I want you to do a deep dive in it. If God says pay attention, that means it requires our full attention at every level. It doesn't just mean listen, because you know our human nature. If we hear something and we really, if we don't jot it down, if we don't, if we don't take notes on it, if we don't emphasize it and we don't prioritize it, it'll be in one ear and out the other. We'll forget it in a week. So I wanted to take a little time on that first verse. Pay much closer attention to what we have heard, lest we drift away from it. And, and with particular emphasis to the gospel of the kingdom, the gospel of Jesus Christ. Verse 2, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable... In every transgression or disobedience received a just retribution. How shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? And when it says, for since the message declared by angels proved to be reliable, it's in reference, referencing the Old Testament. 
the old covenant, carried there, carried to the messengers by angels. If it proved to be reliable and every transgression and disobedience received a just retribution, how shall we escape if we neglect such a great salvation? Y'all, we have a great salvation. And we ought to be willing to proclaim that salvation without fear, without shame, without hesitation. I heard one amen, but it should have been a, it should have been a house full of amens. We have a great salvation. The salvation of the Lord is a great salvation. It was declared at first by the Lord. So the Lord himself declared it. And it was attested to us by those who heard his disciples, his apostles, while God also bore witness by signs and wonders and various miracles and by gifts of the Holy Spirit distributed according to his will. So this message that we are to preach, this gospel message that we should be sharing came out of the mouth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ first. It was witnessed by those who walked with him, saw everything that he did, heard him speak the words of life. And it was confirmed by the, by the power of the Holy Spirit, signs, wonders, miracles, and the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Y'all, this is not a, the faith that we have is not a put your brain on the shelf kind of faith. It's, it's, it's not a wish upon a star kind of faith. The truth of God's word has been confirmed by God himself. Amen? It was witnessed by many who have testified that it is true. And the word of God confirms itself to us over and over and over. The testimony of the spirit of prophecy fulfilled by Jesus confirmed that he is who he said he is. Amen? Uh, I'll go on. Verse 6. It has been testified somewhere. Oh, let me back up. Verse 5. For it was not to angels that God subjected the world to come, of which we are speaking. It has been testified somewhere. What is man that you are mindful of him or the son of man that you care for him? You made him for a little while lower than the angels. You've crowned him with glory and honor, putting everything in subjection under his feet. Now, in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. And I want to, I want to encourage you that, that way this morning. Because there are times in life that we feel like everything is out of control. Things happen in our lives that we have, that we have no control over ourselves and things feel chaotic. And those circumstances, when they punch us in the face, it gets us all discombobulated and it causes us to think 
for a moment that even God doesn't have things under control. But the Bible here says that everything has been put subject under his feet. There is not a thing that we go through that Christ isn't in control. I want to tell you that because it'll be an anchor to your soul and you know who to turn to when your life is destabilized. You know who to turn to so that you can bring stability and comfort and peace into your life even when all around you is shaky ground. We can still stand strong, stand firm in our faith because though situations in life change, we serve a God who never changes. We might be unstable, unstable, but the Lord is a picture of stability. And we can rely on him in that. God didn't say that he would protect us from the troubles of life. Did he? He didn't say, follow me and you won't face troubles. He said, there are many of the troubles of the righteous, many are the afflictions, but the Lord delivers them out of them all. And I, and I want to encourage you to embrace that. That, okay, God, you can, the Bible says that everything is under Jesus' feet. That means he has authority everywhere, that everything is under his control. So if I'm going through this situation, this difficult path that I'm on, I have to remind myself that you are in control. And if you're in control, then it has to be your will that I go this path. And if it's your will, I want to obey you in this, Lord. I want to cooperate with your plan for me through this. If if, if I have to go through this, there has to be a purpose for me going through it. And I may not know what that is, but I know I can trust God. He's in control. If he's allowing me to go through it, there is divine purpose in it. So that's how we can remain in faith. And it may be suffering for a little while. And if for no other reason than that godly character, Christ-like character is being developed in me through this hardship, then we need to be saying, yes, Lord. And I know the temptation is to pray to God for just to just move, remove the situation. I don't like it. I don't want to go through it. God, just take it away. I, I, I've done that before. And, and, and typically those prayers are not answered. I've gone further than that. I've gone so far as to if I didn't like it, it had to be the devil. And I am, I, I am commanding that thing to go. Cause I don't like it. It can't be God if I don't like it, right? And to, and then, and then one time God said, son, <laughs> what you're going through ain't the devil. There are things in you, I'm doing a work in you. And there's something in you that needs to die, right? I, 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 I am, you're saved, but Christ, likeness needs to be developed in you and 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 there are some things about you that i see that you don't see there are things you're okay with that i'm not okay with 
And what's going on in your life right now is me confronting that. And I love you too much to not do it to you. And so God say, so the, so, so the people that are involved in this, God's like, you can't cast me out. My will's gonna happen in your life. And, and, and the problem ain't the devil. The problem is you. You're, it's okay. You need to be perfected in Christ and I'm dealing with you. God chastens those whom he loves. And so I had to say, okay, Lord, I've been wasting a time. I wasted three weeks trying to, I was wondering why the devil wasn't obeying because you tell me I got authority in Jesus name. My focus was external when God was dealing with me internal. Amen. But I just wanted to encourage you. Chaos may, may be in your life right now. And it may seem totally out of control, but it's never out of the control of Jesus, the founder of our salvation. Amen. God has put all things, everything is subject under his feet. I'm reading on. Now in putting everything in subjection to him, he left nothing outside his control. At present, we do not see everything in subjection to him. Think about that. There, there, in our limited perspective, we, we can't see everything that is subject to Jesus and his authority. But we see him who for a little while was made lower than the angels, namely Jesus. We see him crowned with glory and honor because of the suffering of death. So that by the grace of God, he might taste death for everyone. For it was fitting that he, for whom and by whom all things exist, in bringing many sons to glory, should make the founder of their salvation. Say, founder of their salvation. Amen. For it was fitting that he of whom and by whom all things exist in bringing many sons to glory should make the founder of their salvation perfect through suffering. For he who sanctifies and those who are sanctified all have one source. Hallelujah. That is why he is not ashamed to call them brothers. Saying, I will tell of your name to my brothers. In the midst of the congregation, I will sing your praise. And again, I will put my trust in him. And again, behold, I and the children God has given me. And I really want you to pay attention to this. Since, therefore, the children share in flesh and blood, so we're all flesh and blood people, he himself likewise partook of the same thing. Flesh and blood. That through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Uh, you know, he's the founder of our salvation and that is a gospel that the world needs to hear. That God sent his son to put on this flesh that you and I are encumbered with. This flesh that we have to struggle through because the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak, right? 
And Paul talks about that internal struggle. I know what's right to do, but there is a, my flesh doesn't want to do it. I know what's wrong, but my flesh really wants to go there. The spirit wants to obey God, but the flesh doesn't want to, right? So, and, and, and therein, and therein lay the, uh, the shortcoming of the old covenant. There's really nothing wrong with the old covenant. The old covenant is confirmed in Christ. Jesus didn't replace it. He fulfilled it. The issue was us in the sin nature. Being slaves and being bound to sin, we were unable to fulfill the requirements of the law. We could not walk in perfection in the law. And if you violated any part of the law, you were guilty of the whole law. And therefore, we were subject to God's judgment. That's the truth. And so, so we were, we gained knowledge of what sin is through the Old Testament. And what we should have gained an understanding of is that we are incapable of living in full obedience to God's word. We cannot earn our way to salvation with God. But the beautiful thing is, God loves us so much, he could not leave us in that condition. He had a plan for our salvation. And that plan included God coming down, putting on human flesh. All right? Putting upon himself the indignity. uh, Taking off his robe, his holy robe. Putting on sinful flesh. Subjecting himself to the same struggles and temptations that we endure. And he did for us what we were unable to do ourselves. He put on our flesh. He partook partook of the same struggles, same issues. And he fulfilled the requirements of the law on our behalf. Suffering. The shame and in, the, the shame of the cross, suffering the pain of the cross, suffering the death of the cross, shedding his blood. As the atonement for our sins. And praise God, proving that He was who He was, who He said He was, the Son of God, God come in the flesh, proving that He really was the Son of God, the Messiah. He did not stay dead. He conquered death and rose on the third day. Amen? And and in so doing, he tasted death. But he went through all that, that through death he might destroy the one who has the power of death. You know what? We don't have to fear Satan because Satan is a destroyed foe. Let's not give him... 
With all due respect to the horror movies, let's not give him more power than he deserves. Because he's a defeated foe. He's going into the lake of fire right along with the right along with death and hell. He's going to go in the lake of fire. And every one of us, our life will ultimately end on in this world. But praise God, our hope isn't just in this world and in this lifetime. We have we have an eternal hope in Jesus Christ. And like he said, he destroyed him who had the power of death, that is the devil, and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. How many things do we do for fear of death, trying to escape death, fearful of the finality and mystery of death? Well, oh, death, where is your sting? Because through Christ, death it's just a, a venue to glory. It's just a venue to eternity. It, it, it's just a, an avenue to eternity with God. And when we, when our days are done on this earth and, and, and we're in heaven with the Lord, death has no place there. We will live forever with him. No sickness, no death. No pain. None of the stuff that we have to deal with here on earth. I tell you, there are so many people struggling with despair. So many people without hope. So many people struggling with the meaning of life. No purpose. What, what is it all about? What, what comes after? And, and, and there is a lot of imposters out there sharing nonsense. Why am I so excited about events like our fall festival? You know, it's because I, like we're all are. I'm tired of the community around us. You know, we, we, we have the gospel message. We have the salvation of the Lord and we have a commission by him, you know, that we're supposed to be going out there into the darkness with the marvelous light of God's truth. Amen. And they're not even knowing that we're here. And so I'm excited just to invite people into relationship, just to invite them into fellowship, making relationship connections where we have an opportunity to let our light shine. And giving you opportunity to put your faith in, in, in activation for you to get out there as, as a servant of the Lord and just, and smile, right? And, and, and let people know, hey, we see you, we care about you, you're on our minds, you are not alone in this. We have the same struggles as you in some areas, but, but, but we have, but our hope is in the Lord. And He's an anchor for our soul. And so, we're able to have a peace, not because we're better than you, but because, because the God of our salvation, the Prince of Peace, gives us peace. We have security that even if the worst should happen, we're in his hands. He can save us from anything, but even if it's our time to go, 
He's already saved us for, for eternity. Our names are written in the Lamb's book of life. So, so the changing events of life doesn't move us. It doesn't shake us. And, and that security that we have in Christ, you can have that too. Because he cares for you. He didn't just send his son to die for me. He sent his son to die for us. And, you know, I love, I'm a little bit off book here, but praise the Lord. I love that the Gospels are full of the accounts of what Jesus did uh, and how Jesus encountered so many people who were not looked very highly upon. So many people that the religious community considered were rejects or God, that they were beyond redemption. God was done with them. They had messed up their opportunity with God. And guess what type of people Jesus went right to? Those people. And why did he do that? He went to them to let them know, no, God is not done with you. Uh, under the Old Testament, hey, everybody, even the people who are judging you, if the Old Testament still existed, we all would be under the judgment of God. But God is coming to you not on the basis of your performance. He's coming to you on the basis of his love for you. He went to publicans, whatever, tax collectors. He went to prostitutes. He, he, he went to people who were committing adultery. He went to all those, he went to those people. Murderers. He went with what the Bible calls the gospel of the kingdom. He went to the people who thought because of the life I've lived, because of the things I've done, God is done with me. There's no way God would accept me. And he told them, God not only is not done with you, God sees you. God loves you. He sent me here to atone for you because he wants to be reconciled with you. And what does that do? It communicates value. You're not trash to God. You're a treasure. No, you're not trash to God because all of us, none of us were saved before Jesus died for us. Right? We were all in the same condition. I know we like to grade sins, but sin is sin. And so he sat with them and he ate with them. He conversed with them. He answered their questions. He spoke the truth of God to them. They couldn't go into the synagogues. He couldn't get a Pharisee or a Sadducee to have a, a, a conversation with them. But Jesus, it's not just about what he said, it's what he did. And that's what I talked about last week when it says, pay attention this is my beloved son, hear him. It wasn't just hear his words, but also 
perceive his actions. Look at how he treated people. Look at how he conducted himself. And if we're going to really be his disciples, we're, we really be need to, we really need to be paying attention to how he did things, what he did, how he treated people, what people he reached out to with, and what message he reached out to them with. Because that's who we're supposed to be representing to the world. I said, that's what we're supposed to be representing to the world. All right? There's too many people out there who, who, who don't have much hope, who don't have much, uh, uh, value. They don't see themselves, that they're self-condemning. They've been told they're not worth much. They've been, they've been criticized and, 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 and people are, are trying to manipulate them into one cause or another. And, they're walking around in this constant, constant state of, of depression and despair. And here we have a message of life. And I'm, I'm not trying to guilt you. I'm just, I'm trying to spur you on. I'm excited. One of the reasons why I'm so excited is I know how well this body is going to love the community. I know how well you're going to represent Christ. Right? We're going to have the prayer tent out there, but... And, and, and God's going to do amazing things there, but each of you are going to be used of God in the way he's uniquely gifted you to make a difference in someone's life today. You're going to plant a seed. You're going to give a word of encouragement. Somebody's going to come that doesn't think very highly of themselves, and you're going to be able to tell them how much God treasures and values them. Are you hearing me? You're going to emulate the founder of our salvation. I expect as we have a an emphasis on on, on outreach and everything, I expect that there are going to be people giving their lives to the Lord regularly here. And we're going to see people baptized. We're going to see people's lives just totally transformed. Amen? And, 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 the, and the more it happens, the more excited, the more excited we're going to get, the more on fire we're going to get. And, and, and that revival that that song was talking about, love that song. That song fires me up. We'll, we'll see it unfold and happen before our eyes. But he destroyed the one who had the power of death, the devil. And he delivered all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. Let's not, let's not be subject in our minds. Let's not be a, let's not be slaves because we fear death. We fear God. And we are free from the bondage to sin and death because We've already overcome death through Christ Jesus. Are you hearing me? 
In 1 Peter chapter 3, starting at the 18th verse, it says that for Christ also suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah, while the ark was being prepared. I want to skip down, skip on down. Now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers having been subjected to him. I just wanted to give you another uh, scripture reference that goes along with what it said in Hebrews about everything being subject to him. Angels, authorities, and powers are all subject to him. And Christ just didn't die, he resurrected. Why do we, why, why shouldn't we fear death? Because death isn't the end of us. We're not just gonna die, we'll be resurrected, and we'll live forevermore. And, and, and people need to know that. For God, John 3, chapter, John chapter 3, verses 35 and 36 say this. The Father loves the Son and has given all things into his hands. Everything subjected to him again. Whoever believes in the Son has what? Eternal life. Whoever does not obey the Son shall not see life, but the wrath of God remains on him and I don't shy away from that and 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 people need to know the stakes right and so the more we know the stakes the more we can appreciate what Christ has done for us right so if we don't know the Lord if we're not walking in obedience to the Lord the wrath of God remains on us but those of us who believe who have committed in, in, in that word belief included or implied in that is commit it's committed. You're committing to God. We're believing in him and we're committing to him, repenting and we're committing to his way and walking in obedience to him. Whoever believes in the son has eternal life. Whoever doesn't, the wrath of God remains on him. John still stay in that same chapter. John chapter three, verse 16 through 18. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son. For God so loved the world. Be careful. Be careful. As we get involved in various causes or we, or, 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 or we pick particular political sides and everything, be careful that our hearts don't get hardened to God's way of doing things. That our eyes aren't darkened to how God wants us to see the world and to see those in it. Because remember, we are bought with a price. We are his ambassadors. Our opinions don't matter. What matters is what thus saith the word of God. What matters is, are we representing him? Well, he's the founder of our salvation. The founder. Those of us who are the recipients and beneficiaries of his salvation, right? We have to also be the carriers and the dispensers of that salvation. In his name, we need to be representing him accurately. 
Are you hearing me? And I, I just want to challenge you that way. For God so loved the world, none of us, how many of us were saved before he died on the cross for us? How many of y'all are like me, man, it's, it's a miracle I'm standing up here right now. I, I, I did not, you know, I, I, I wasn't converted at five or ten. And, and and have these tiny little things that, you know, uh, I, I'm not dismissing anyone's story. What, I, what I'm wanting to say to you is that uh, I have a healthy appreciation for what God delivered me from. <laughs> I'll, I'll put it that way. I have a healthy appreciation from what God delivered me from, and I don't forget it. And so as I am humbled by that, I'm able to have a compassion. For those who still need to be delivered. Right? For those who still are not walking with the Lord and don't know. Those who are still in bondage to sin. I, I, I imagine Jesus looking over him and weeping. He's so passionate about Wanting them to, wanting them to accept his free gift of salvation. Wanting them to be out of the clutches of the enemy. Wanting them to be reconciled so he can, so he can, so he can hold them and he can sanctify them and, and, and he can secure their salvation as well. Amen. He died for them too. And I, and it's important that we see the unsaved in that fashion. Let's see them as Jesus sees them. And if you don't, I'm not going to condemn you, but I am going to challenge you that that should be a prayer emphasis for you. Particularly for those, they may not be your cup of tea. All right? They're they're not your people, never going to be your people. Right? They're never going to be somebody, you know, there are certain people that you're just not very excited when they come on the scene, right? I mean, let's just, let's just be honest, right? And I think we can all be real with each other here, right? Right? And that's, and that's probably not going to change, at least in the natural, right? But then it begs the question, what do we do with that, right? Uh, I, I think it's important that we acknowledge that, we admit that, and, and we admit the fact that that is not Christ-like. Right? That is not Christ-like. It doesn't mean you got to go to the people that irritate you the most and make friends with all of them. You know, I'm not going to tell, I'm not going to give you anything that will be like a blueprint as far as, you know, demanding that you do all that. But what I'm saying is you need to take that to God. And in each, in, in, in each case, take it to God with a humble heart and, and, and admit, Lord, I don't have, I don't have a Christ-like heart toward this individual or those individuals. Right? But, but Lord, your, your word says that, that, that I'm not just supposed to love my family and people that are like me and people that I like, but I'm also supposed to love my enemies. 
And this person or persons, they not they not even they're not necessarily an enemy. Sometimes they're they're just an irritant. But if I'm supposed to love my even my enemies, then Lord, I'm supposed to somehow find love for this person. And and Lord, what and, and so Lord I am committing to obey you in this, and I ask you to give me the grace to walk in it. How can I love this person? Whether it's strike, sometimes the Lord will say, reach out to that person, strike up a relationship, get to know them. Sometimes it's just, hey, you commit to praying for that person every day. Whatever God, whatever God tells you to do, do. But what's important is that we confront the issues of our heart where in our hearts we're not in obedience to what the word of God says. And we don't dismiss it and take it lightly. We take it to God in prayer and say, God, this heart attitude isn't right here. And so I'm taking it to you. I'm I'm, I'm casting it at your feet. I'm humbling myself before you. I'm, I'm, I'm admitting it. I'm confessing it with the heart of repentance. I choose repentance. I choose obedience. Lord, grant me the grace to walk in this and mature in this. Because we want to be a reflection of the founder of our salvation. Amen? And so, uh, again, uh, hey, I'm your pastor and I have irritants. People I consider irritants too. So I'm not just preaching at you. This is at me as well. And it's a challenge sometimes, but it's a challenge that we're going to have to rise up to. Amen. And um, even for those individuals, you'll probably never meet in your life. You know, uh, we, we might see media characterizations of certain individuals or certain people groups and so forth that that causes us to get into carnal mindset. Right. And we need to be very intentional. We want to be informed, all right? We want to be informed, and we can have our opinions and so forth, but we want to make sure that we stay in obedience to God, that we honor him in our heart attitudes, in our thinking, in the words from our mouths. Blessing and cursing should not come out of the same mouth, right? We want, we want to do all to the glory of God, Amen. And, and imagine how much of a witness, how much of a testimony, uh, how peculiar that would be in the current climate in which we live. Not only the health benefits, because it'd be a lot less stressful. You'd be, your blood pressure won't be so high. You guys, you guys would be able to walk in peace more and everything. But, but it will also, help you be able to relate to people and and you can hear the still small voice of God um, uh, as he begins to move you on how to minister to people. Your heart is soft. You're open to God speaking to you in a, a, a message of love, a message of exhortation, a message of encouragement, a message of hope. You can actually be used of God more effectively if we keep ourselves Positioned. Uh, um, um, I'm looking for the words drawn a blank. If we posture ourselves in humility, 
and surrender and love. Amen? But God so loved the world that he gave his only son. That whoever, whoever, say whoever. That means whoever, right? Whoever means what? Whoever, right? I think that's the definition of it in Merriam-Webster's dictionary. But whoever means everyone, whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God did not send his son, Jesus, into the world to condemn the world, but in order that the world might be saved through him. And we got to remember that as his disciples. Whoever believes in him is not condemned, but whoever does not believe is condemned already because he has not believed in the name of the only son of God. I have Romans 5 verses 8 through 11 in here. I've already referenced it twice, but, <laughs> but, but God showed his love for us. And while that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. And imagine how great a love that is. Knowing that there would be millions who would reject him. He still died for us. You know, one other thing I want to point out, and before I draw, before I begin to draw things to a close. Do y'all remember when uh, Jesus, when, when Pilate was having to make a decision and he was not seeing where Jesus did anything that warranted crucifixion and yet the crowd demanded that he be crucified he even gave him a choice because they could actually release demand that one person be released and freed from the consequences of his actions and he gave them a choice of Barabbas or Jesus and they chose to let Barabbas free and said crucify Jesus and I got to thinking about that. Don't you know that this mob yelling crucify Jesus, that many of them were probably among those that he, the 5,000 that he fed, that they were probably witnesses to a lot of the miracles that he had done. And, and they looked upon with awe and wonder and, and, and they said to themselves, surely this must be the son of God. I mean, surely many of those people observed what he did and were moved by what he did and believed that he was at least of God. And yet it shows you how things can, how easy it is when, when, when dissenters get in amongst our midst and they begin to, they begin to appeal to our emotions and get to fire us up and get us angry, man, how much, how quickly things can turn. Because you've had those who were once in awe, in awestruck wonder, watch Jesus do these amazing things. 
who followed him and watched his every move, who saw him open blinded eyes and make the deaf to hear and to cast out devils. And, and some of them may have even been there when he raised Lazarus from the dead. They saw all these things, but those same people said, give us Barabbas, crucify him. You know, and, and that same thing can happen if we don't pay close attention to what we've heard. To what we know to be true in the word of God. If we pay close attention to, 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 the, to the voices that are not biblical voices. And yet still, those same people that observed the love and power of Jesus Christ, some of them may have even benefited from it. He said, crucify him. Ginned up by the Pharisees and Sadducees, and yet, there he is, suffering on the cross. If you can see him there, nailed to it. Doesn't have many more hours left to live. And there's two things he does. Of that crowd that turned on him and betrayed him, he says, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. He loved them even as they were slaying him. He loved them even though they asked for a convict to be freed and he who never committed any wrong or sin to suffer. He said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. That, and in so doing, in doing that, he showed his heart. And, and you know, just as important as us sharing his words with the world is us also showing his heart. Showing the world his heart is just as important as showing the world his word. The person of Jesus. People need a real encounter with the person of Jesus Christ. And it's deeper than words. I know that may not, it could have been more articulately stated, but I know God's word came to life for me once I really got into a relationship and got to know Jesus. People's lives were transformed. The woman at the well. Uh, I mentioned last week, the woman caught in adultery. Um, the man at the pool of Bethesda. <laughs> Uh, Paul on his way to Damascus, right? When you really, when you encounter him, your life changes. Amen? And so we want to deliver the truth of God, but it also has to be done according to the heart of God. Amen? And one other thing on the cross he did, and I'll, I'll go ahead and, and, and move on, but the two thieves that flanked him on the cross, both began to mock him. You know, hey, 
Save yourself. Save us. They both began to disrespectfully mock him. And somewhere along the line, and I don't know what prompted it, one of the thieves had a change of heart. One kept on mocking, and the other one said, look, we're here. We earned our spot here. He didn't do anything wrong. And he said, the one who was mocking him said, Lord, when you come into your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus didn't even have to think about it. This this man is dying. Who knows how much longer he had. This is basically a deathbed confession. And you and I might feel some type of way about that and and, and wonder about the genuineness of it and, and maybe a little bit critical of it, but not Jesus. Jesus said, Surely, I tell you today, you'll be with me in paradise. You know, you were just mocking me for the past few hours, but that, but now that you've repented, that's all I wanted, a heart change. That's all I wanted. You repented. Come on, you're going to be with me in paradise. There are, you know, some might feel cheated who've walked with him all their lives, and this guy you know, has this moment with Jesus, but you're not, nobody's cheated. It's just the heart of our God, right? That, that's, what, that's what he feels about every one of those who are walking in darkness right now. And you know what? Some of them are going to end up re- uh, reprobate. I don't know, maybe many of them. Some of them are going to end up uh, rejecting the Lord outright, and they'll stay under God's wrath. And eternity won't be, won't be kind to them. But let that not be because they didn't hear the gospel message from those who know. Let it not be because what they got from those of us who represent Christ was more flesh than spirit. Was more carnal attitude than the attitude of Christ. Are you hearing me? Let, let what they reject Be the genuine representation of Christ. And that's what we're, uh, that's what our focus is. That's what uh, we're endeavoring to do. Uh, Our objective here, one of the objectives here is to, is to know God and make him known. Right? And, that's what we're endeavoring to do today in a small way. It's a couple of hours. It's just one of many things that we'll be planning on doing going forward. And hopefully these will spur you on to do these things in your own time. That it won't just be done when we're having a mass event, but it'll spur a new focus in your life to within your spheres of influence to represent Christ in such a way that your light shines in such a way that people see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Amen? And so, um, you know, so I just wanted to, uh, uh, to bless y'all with that this morning. And, and uh, if you are here today, and any of those struggles that have been mentioned uh, throughout the message, I mean, if you're here and... You don't have a very high self-image. You don't feel 
seen. You don't feel heard or valued. You know, you're not sure about this thing called life and, and, and what happens after life and all this. Uh, is there a God? How do I know? It, if you're here today or if you're listening, I, I, I want to, you know, I want to talk with you. I want you to not leave this place without encountering the Lord Jesus. I, don't, I want you to not leave this place without having your questions answered. And I want you to know that God loves you. He loves you. He loves you and your flaws. and he, Flaws and all, he loves you. He knows everything about you. Even the things that you might hide from the rest of the world, God knows it. And as ugly as it is, he still loves you. He loves you too much to let you stay that way, but he, lo- he also loves you too much to reject you. And what he wants you to know is that he loves you so much, he'll take you as you are right now. Maybe your mother rejected you. Maybe your father rejected you. Maybe a significant other rejected you. Maybe society has rejected you as an oddball or, 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 or something or some other description. But there is one who does not reject you. Who so loved you that he gave his only begotten son for you. who did for you what you could not do for yourself. You didn't live a righteous life. But he did on your behalf. You couldn't satisfy the requirements of the law, but he did on your behalf. He being Jesus Christ, the only begotten son of God, who became the lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. In this new covenant that we're in, it doesn't require much. Salvation doesn't require much from you. It doesn't require that you clean your life up first. Because you can't. That requires a work of the Holy Spirit at operation inside of you. Which can only happen if you're born again. And you can only be born again. If you give your heart to Jesus. So if you're here today and you don't know the Lord. I want to invite you. To come up to the altar this morning. And give me the honor of introducing you to the Lord and leading you to the Lord and to the salvation of the Lord.
Don't worry about roaming eyes who might see you. What matters is whether or not you're still under the wrath of God or you've entered into his salvation. People's opinions are just trifles at this moment. Same if you're watching on Facebook Live, if if you don't know the Lord. Let today be the day of salvation for you. Let today be the day of salvation for you. It doesn't require much to receive the salvation of the Lord. Uh, Romans 10, 9 and 10 says, if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. It seems too simple. But you know what? It's the heart of our God that he didn't make it difficult. Praise the Lord. The rest of you, if you have a loved one, someone that's important to you, that doesn't know the Lord, you know, uh, I I, I want you uh, to stand up. I'm not going to ask you all to come uh, to come up necessarily, but I want you all to stand up. And, and by standing, you're standing in the gap for that loved one. And that loved one may be a source of pain for you and your family, may be a source of frustration, source of anger. Maybe even a source of judgment, a hardening of heart. But, but, but my prayer, you're standing for that person right now. So, so there is some softness in your heart towards that loved one. And, and, and in light of what we've covered today, Jesus Christ, the founder of our salvation, what I've shared about his heart toward those individuals I want you to do two things. Pray to God to give you his heart for them. To enable you to see them as he sees them so that you can have a heart of compassion for them. And I want you to pray that for their salvation. Hallelujah. And I'll give you a moment and then I'll end in prayer. Hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Father God, as your beloved children are praying, as they're humbling themselves before you and and asking you to do a work in their own hearts and uh, as they intercede on behalf of loved ones who don't know you. Lord, I just, I I pray your blessing on each and every one of them, Lord. Uh, Father God, it, it does take some courage to stand up in response 
to a call like that. We like to keep our, you know, our family business private. We like to keep our family business uh, out of the streets, as it were, Lord. But you have people here, your beloved people, Lord, who are standing on behalf of loved ones who don't know you. And, and Lord, I, I, I thank you that they've humbled themselves before you. And I pray, Father God, that you, uh, as a sanctifying work being done in their hearts, by your word and by the work of the Holy Spirit, Lord, that their hearts are, are even now melting and, and being soft, becoming soft toward those loved ones, Lord. That they can uh, give them the ability to relate to you, Lord, as it pertains to their loved ones. As you were on the cross saying, forgive them, Lord, for they know not what they do. You were saying it to those who were demanding your crucifixion and death. And I can only imagine how much that must have hurt your heart. These these children of yours, Lord, those among your beloved feel some measure of what you must have felt. They've been hurt. They've been attacked, some of them, by their loved ones. Maybe they've been mocked. Maybe they've been lied on. Maybe they've been mistreated. Yet here they stand. I thank you for them, Lord. And I thank you that you're that you honor what they're doing right now, Lord. Give them the grace, Lord, to walk in love, to the ability to speak the truth, but to do so in love, so that they're not only giving people the words of Christ, but they're giving people the heart. of Christ through their expressed attitude and and everything else. And Lord, I partner with each and every one of them and lift up those loved ones, Lord. Lord, we all know the work you did leading each and every one of us to a point to where we bowed the knee and and we received your gift of salvation in Christ Jesus. And Lord, I pray that you do the same for each and every loved one that's being prayed for here today. It's my prayer that today is the day of salvation for them. But Lord, whether that is today or it's another day in the future, I know you're faithful. And I know that you are good. And it is, the Bible says that it is the goodness of God that leads man to repentance. 
And so, Lord, I pray that each and every one of those who don't know you, that they come to experience the goodness of God in such a way that it, that, 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 that your goodness leads them, whether they know it or not, your goodness is leading them to you. And, and it's leading them, it will lead them to a place of repentance and salvation. And it will be done in a way where you're exalted and we will give you the glory and the praise, Lord, for you are truly worthy. And so we thank you for it all, Lord, in, in Jesus' name. Amen.